We're in the second week of this series called Love Like Jesus. And what we're doing in this series is we're really breaking down the uh, great commandment, which basically says love God and love others. Okay, this is very important to understand because if we get this right, like if we really understand it, if we really grab hold to it, then what we're going to be is a better, more committed follower of Christ. And the reason I can say that with confidence is because the Bible is very clear on this. It says everything in life really hinges on this command of loving, loving God, loving others. So, oh, <laughs> I love how everybody else here knows it's supposed to happen. I'm the only one. All right, let's dismiss our middle schoolers and we'll see them right after our time together. All right, now let's transition back. Sorry about that. Um, it all hinges on this great commandment to love God. So last week what we did was I started out by defining love. And if you remember, uh, I talked about how difficult it is to describe this word because we'll say we love a lot of things. Like, I love Mexican food, I love Dunkin' coffee, I love football, I love movies, I love the beach. And then I'll also say I love God. Like, how can I in one sentence say I love tacos and then turn around and say I love God, right? It means many different things. So last Sunday we talked about and we just started with what is love? Like, how do we define love? And we started with some basics and we said love is from God. Love is an action, love's a skill, and love is a habit, okay? And if you missed any of that, you can catch up online. But last week, we focused on what. Today, I want to focus on why. Why is it so important that we love? Like, what is the big deal anyway? And the reason that I bring this up is because when we talk about love, love can be very hard. It can be very hard to do. Isn't it easier just to keep love ourselves? Because if we risk reaching out in love, then we might suffer rejection. If we risk reaching out in love, we might be met with unkindness. If we risk reaching out in love, we might experience pain and heartache. So why is it so important to God that we love other people? Other people are hard to love sometimes. I mean, why can't we just love God? Why do we have to love God and everyone else? And if you read the Bible... You'll find that a lot of people ask this question all the time to Jesus. They were always questioning why he loved. They were, they were always questioning, like, why did he choose to heal this person? Why did he stop what he was doing and, and, and talk to and touch this untouchable, right? Or, or why did he allow this person to be a disciple? Matthew, the, the greatest sinner of all, which is a tax collector for, for Rome, he, he invites them to be a part of his disciples, and he loves them anyway. And everybody's like, why? Why would you go to this person's house? Why would you have dinner with them? Why love like this? Sometimes it was so countercultural that people would stand in the back of the crowd and gossip about Jesus. They were like, oh my goodness, can you believe Jesus said this? Can you believe he did that? It was so countercultural that some people actually spoke up when they saw Jesus love people the way he did. It was so countercultural that people actually opposed Jesus and told him he shouldn't do this. He shouldn't do that. He shouldn't love in this way. All throughout Scripture, even now, the big question, why? Why is it so important? So at the Last Supper, Jesus gathers his disciples together, and you know this story. They gather for one last time before his death, burial, and resurrection. And in one of his last moments of teaching, he says this. He says, just as I have loved you, you need to love others. 
just like I'm loving you, just like you've seen me do, just like you've heard me teach you, you need to love others like that. But why? Why is it so important? So to help us understand why it's such a big deal, what I want to do is I want to go back to 1 John chapter 4, which is where we started last week, okay? 1 John is in the back of the New Testament, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. And the reason I'm using this is because there's a lot of, uh, John talks a lot of love. In fact, you'll hear a lot of his, you know, you'll see a lot of verses during the month of February during Valentine's Day that deal with love that come from 1 John. He also wrote the book of John at the beginning of the New Testament that is the story of Jesus, but we're not in that book. We're towards the end in 1 John. And if anybody knows about the topic of love, it's, it would be the disciple John who is, who is constantly, affectionately titled as the one that Jesus loved. So this is John. Here we go. We're going to start at verse 15 in chapter 4. It says this, all who... Declare that Jesus is the Son of God, have God living in them, and they live in God. We know how much God loves us. So what we do is we put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. So let's break this down, and let me explain where I'm going with this. Why is love so important? Point number one, if you grab those message notes, we'll go ahead and start filling in some length. Love is forever. Love is forever. If you've got the app open, you can follow along there with the message notes. Everybody online, we're so glad that you're worshiping with us today. You can follow along on the app as well. But we start with this, because this is what's most important. God is love. Love is forever. If you remember last week, we, we started out with that point, that God is love. Not that God has love, because if God had love, God might lose love. God might have a time in his life where he doesn't have love, but that's not what Scripture says. God doesn't have it. God is love. So John repeats this again. And he says, listen, those who live in love, right? Well, they're living in God. And because God is forever, his love is forever. God's love goes on and on and on, and it echoes into eternity. Honestly, it's the only thing, it's one of the only things that's ever going to truly last forever. Have you ever had one of those temporary moments that you just wish could last forever, right? Like that dream vacation that you went on, and you're sitting there on the beach, and you're like, oh, I wish this could last forever. Or that nap that feels so good, you just want to lay on the couch forever. Or that meal that tastes so good, you're just like, man, I want to eat this forever. But sooner or later, the vacation ends. you got to go back to work. The nap is rudely interrupted with the kids arguing right? Or the pot on the stove is empty and you didn't even get seconds, right? Every, every, everything comes to an end. Everything in life is temporary. We know that. And we're reminded of this every single day, but every single loving act goes on into eternity. It makes an impact for eternity. John reminds us that God is love, and that means that love is unending. Paul, the apostle Paul, he puts it this way in his letter to the church, in Corinth, he says this. He says three things are going to last forever. These three things, faith, hope, and love. But he says the greatest of them, like what's the most important, is love. John would go on to say, he, he's like, listen, you want something to last? You want, you want to be remembered for something when you're gone? Then love. The greatest thing we can do is love. So if that's true... Like, if it is the greatest, then, then, 
Why do we invest so much? Why do we work so much for the things that don't last, that won't even last through this year? You, you, know, how you, can, you know how you really know that love is the greatest thing? Is when someone is getting towards the end of their life. And their last request usually isn't to, to go and grab my diploma because you know how hard I had to work for that. It, it's not to go grab my trophies because you know how many practices on Monday nights I had to go for that. Or it's not to let me look at my financial portfolio because you know how much time it took to stash that much cash away. It's none of these things. No, what we want, because what we know internally is going to last for what we need is to be surrounded by love, by the love of those that we're close to. You see, sooner or later, the Bible points this out. We're going to realize that the main point in life is not these accomplishments or all this other stuff, but it's love expressed in relationships. After all, you can't take anything with you when you die. It makes no sense to be buried with a U-Haul, does it? It's not going with you. In fact, I remember a story of a guy that um, thought he could take it with him and he'd worked so hard so he decided to be buried with his gold bars and he took a sack of gold bars with him and they actually put it in the casket. And then when he woke up and he's standing in the presence of Peter at the pearly gates, he actually was surprised to find that he is holding his sack of gold. And Peter looks at him and says, why did you bring pavement? Do y'all get it? Pavement, streets of gold. Oh, y'all, this isn't going to work if I got to explain it. Come on, y'all, stay with me. Everybody awake? <laughs> I love it. Hey, y'all, first service, it did, I should have cut it. First service didn't, yeah, they didn't like it either. Anyway, you can't take it with you. It's truth is, <laughs> it actually cracks me up when there's awkward silence, so I love it. If love is an eternal reward, then why don't we invest more time, more effort? Unfortunately, the stuff in the world is what gets all of our attention. Speaking about things that get all of our attention, you know, we got the Super Bowl coming up tonight, but if I'm honest with you, I'm really looking forward to baseball. I'm ready for baseball season to start. And I remember hearing a story about Albert Pujols. Some of y'all may be familiar with him. He's first baseman for the St. Louis Cardinals. He's a World Series champ. He's an eight-time All-Star. He's a recipient of three National League MVPs. In 2008, the managers all got together and they voted him the, the most feared batter in all of baseball. So there really isn't much that he hadn't accomplished. And there was one time that he was speaking at a high school there in Missouri. And he did not at once talk about his awards. He didn't talk about being able to barrel a 90-mile-an-hour fastball. He didn't talk about any of that. Instead, what he did was he focused on God. And to a group of students, he said, it'd be easy to go out and do whatever I want. He said, but those accomplishments, they only satisfy the flesh for a moment. But the love of Jesus, he says, that's what satisfies my soul forever. So it's so interesting to hear someone that's been on top of the world and received the accomplishments that nobody else has. And he would say the only thing that truly satisfies in life is the love. The love that comes from Jesus. Because that's, that's what really lasts. That love that we share with God, that love that we share with others, that kind of love is forever. So let's keep going. Let's look at verse 17 in 1 John. It says this, 1 John 4, 17, he says, And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid. Now check this out. He's, not, he's saying we're not going to have to be afraid on the day of judgment. 
But we can face him, we can face God, we can face Jesus with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love, what it does is it expels all fear. It pushes that fear out of my life. So if we're afraid, it's fear of punishment. But we don't have to fear punishment. If we do, it shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. But we know, we know the love that comes from God. And we love each other because he first loved us. So point number two. Point number one, love is forever. Point number two, love offers forgiveness. Love, why love? Forgiveness, y'all. Forgiveness is a big deal. It's a big deal. When Savannah was in middle school, I remember um, reading through the book of Revelation with her. And before y'all ask, why in the world would you read that with a middle schooler? This was her idea, and it's not like we were doing it as a bedtime story, okay? So everybody calm down. It's not like we were like, and then the dragon was thrown, uh, thrown into the lake of fire. Good night, heaven, sweet dreams. You know, <laughs> nothing like that, nothing like that. But when we're reading through the book of Revelation, we have this understanding that we don't have to fear. And the reason is because love wins. Love wins out. And in verse 17 in what we just read, John reminds us that judgment is coming. So when you hear a preacher talk about judgment and you talk about the end times, we all get a little scared, right? Nobody likes to hear about that. Nobody wants to talk about that. But what John says is, no, 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 you got that all wrong. We don't have to be afraid. Like, we don't have to be scared of that time. In fact, John says, we can actually be confident. We can actually be confident as we stand before Jesus because the perfect love of God, what it does, that eternal love drives fear out of our life. And the reason it drives that fear out is because his love has forgiven our sins. It's because the blood of Jesus, the love that was displayed on the cross, that resurrected from the grave, covers my sins in such a way that I'm able to stand in the presence of a holy God. Over and over and over again, we find this big idea that love offers forgiveness and love wins. In fact, John, the same John that wrote the book of John at the beginning, that's the gospel of John, wrote 1st and 2nd and 3rd John. He also wrote Revelation. And I want you to see how John starts out the book of Revelation. This big idea of love, chapter 1, verse 5 in Revelation, it says, Christ loves us. John starts that out. First thing, he's like, I want you to know that Jesus loves you, and by his blood, what he's done is he's forgiven you from your sins. And that's a big deal. Because our sins separate us from God. Our sins keep us out of eternity with God. But the love of Jesus, through his forgiveness, gives us the ability to be with God forever. This is amazing when you think about it. So the big question isn't going to be when we stand in judgment. The big question isn't going to be if you sin. Hello, we've all sinned. We sin every day. No, no, no. That's not going to be the question. Scripture is very clear. We're all sinners. What's going to be the question is do you, do you love? This is why it's so important. Do you love God? Do you love God in such a way that you put your faith in him because that love that comes from God gives you the forgiveness that you need? And so, you know what? That's what's in the future, though. That's coming. That's the judgment that's ahead of us, our eternal future. But let's talk about how that loving forgiveness, it affects us now because it affects us now in two ways. Number one, when I understand that love offers forgiveness, number one, it affects me personally 
And this is why we say every Sunday when you come to the ridge, we want you to experience the love of Jesus because when you understand that he has forgiven you, man, it changes who you are. It affects me personally to know that I am loved by God no matter what and that he has a plan and a purpose for me. And then number two, it affects me relationally because here's the deal, what Jesus would say and what Scripture is very clear about is that if you know the love of God and if you've been forgiven by the love of God, then what right do you have to withhold that love and forgiveness from anyone else that wants it? Right? We need to share that kind of love, to show that kind of love with others. It affects me personally. It affects me relationally. Love offers forgiveness, and forgiveness is a big deal. You know this. I know this. So for point number three, let's go back to John. Verse 20 says, if someone says, I love God, but then he goes on to say, but I hate a fellow believer. John's very clear about this. He says that person's a liar. It's kind of a blunt thing to say. For if we don't love people that we can see, well, then how can we say that we love God that we can't see, right? And he has given us this command. We know what we're supposed to do. Scripture is very clear about this. And here's the command. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. So, point number three is this. Love validates your faith. Love validates our faith. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever had to prove who you are to someone or to some place in order to get into an event or to get into a place? Uh, You had to validate who you are. I remember... I'm full of stories this morning, but I remember when the girls were little, we took a big trip to Washington, D.C., and we're, we're trying to get into the Capitol building, and so we have to go through the security process, and we got to validate who we are and show our IDs, and so Shannon goes through, and then Savannah goes through, and then Abby goes through, and at this point, Abby's about five years old, and you know how they have to do random security checks on people? Well, it just so happens that the random security check fell on Abby, so Abby's five. She's got these two big security guards. They're making her take her shoes off. They're being really nice. But, you know, most, most parents would be a little concerned. Like, you know, normal parents would be a little worried about how Abby and how the child's reacting to all of this. But I'm not normal. And I'm not making anything better because I'm saying things like, I told you they get you. <laughs> like, you need to stop acting up. What'd I say? What'd I say? And so they got her, they got her over there, they're going through. And y'all, I thought this was so funny that I actually, this was before cameras were on our phone. This was when you had like a digital camera. So I pulled out my digital camera to take a picture of this. And so I went and I said, click, and I took a picture. And as soon as I did, the security guard turned around and he looked at me and he says, you can't take pictures and now I'm in trouble. He pulls me aside and he's got my camera and I'm showing him the pictures and he's like, you've got to erase. So I'm erasing the picture and I'm like, all right, everybody calm down. It's all good. It's, it's okay. And as soon as he's done with me, I kid you not, he looks at me and he says these words, no more pictures. And as soon as he said that phrase, the timing was perfect. Savannah pulls out her disposable camera that we bought her. <laughs> kid you not. He said, no more pictures. And Savannah went, click. And I was like, we're all going to jail. We're all going to jail. It's over. The only one of us that wasn't in trouble was Shannon, which is generally the case. Like, that's generally how it is in life. But we've all been in those situations where, like, you got to validate, you got to show who you are, you got to prove who you are at the DMV, at the utilities, wherever. Here's the deal. 
The reason love is so important is that it proves who you are. It's like a card you show. It's like a stub that you redeem for something else. It's like a badge that you wear that proves, that validates your faith in Jesus Christ, that actually proves that you're part of God's family. The proof is in the pudding. So back to those opening verses where Jesus commands his disciples to love as he has shown them love. It comes at that Last Supper when he does something. When he gets down and he washes the disciples' feet and he does something for them and shows them love in such a way that it causes his disciples to want to know why. Why did you do this? And we talked about this a couple of weeks back about how Peter even tried to stop him. Don't. Don't do this. That love is so outrageous. That love is, it is so crazy that I don't, I'm not worthy of this. Why love this way? And so Jesus takes that moment after washing his disciples' feet. He looks at them and he says, just as I have humbled myself to you, just as I have served you, just as I have loved you in such a way that made you question why I did it, that's what I want you to do. That's what I want you to do. In fact, he goes on in John 13, 35. He says this. He says, that kind of love, your love for one another, what that's going to do is it's going to prove it's going to be like a badge that you wear that shows that you're my disciple. It's just that big of a deal. You know, at UGA, um, when I was going to school, I used to work at Belk Department Store. Anybody familiar with Belk Department Store? Y'all know Which is why I'm such a snazzy dresser, you know. <laughs> Y'all probably wondering. Um, that's why. But... Um, I would be at work, and I'd have to dress up for the men's department. And then I'd, sometimes I'd have to run straight to class, and I wouldn't have time to go home and change. And so I'd walk into class all dressed up. And on those occasions when I did, people were like, why are you so dressed up? Like, what? what's going on? But every now and then, I would forget to take off my super-duper really cool belt name tag. And so I'd show up in class with the belt name tag on. And two things would happen. Shannon would call me a dork and laugh at me and two um, everybody knew why I was dressed up because it validated who I was and where I work see when we love in such a way that it causes people to ask the question why like why would you do that it's like wearing a badge that says I belong to Jesus like when we love in such a way that it radiates from us and it causes other people to ask why it proves that God is alive in us because that kind of love is just different. That kind of love doesn't exist. That kind of love, the world doesn't know what to do with that because they never see that kind of love. So when we offer it, we prove that God is real and we prove who we are and who we belong to. So yeah, love's a big deal. Because you want something that lasts forever, love. Love offers forgiveness, and forgiveness is why Jesus came. And then love validates that we have Jesus alive in us, and we're part of God's family. And then the last point, one last thing, verse 5, it says this. He goes on to say, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God. We go back to that. If you believe, you love God, you have faith in God, you're brought into God's family. And everyone who loves the Father loves his children too. So that we know that we're children, that we're God's children, if we love God, and what do we do? We obey his 
commandments. And he goes on to say, loving God means keeping his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. I love that. Point number four, love is what binds everything in life together, okay? It's what holds everything together, okay? And John is saying this when he's talking about living your life for God, living for his commandments, living out his will in your life. When you do this, Love, it's not a burden to live out God's commands. It's not a burden to live in his will. It's actually a great joy to do so. Because when we're doing that, we're living in God's love. We're living in his purpose. We're living in his will. And love holds all of our life together. Because God is at our core. And this affects everything, how we interact socially, how we give financially, how we worship corporately, how we work successfully, all these things in life, all these big pieces that we have in life, everything that we tend to put all our eggs in a basket, right? All of these things are big, and all of these things can be held together through God and through his love. So you know what? Everybody builds their life on something. Everybody has some dominant principle in their life. And we go back to this idea of what's most important for you. Some people build it around work or, or finances or success. There are so many things that want to take control in our life. But what we really need is something in our life that's not going to fall apart. Because this world is broken. When the money runs out, when the fun is over, life can come at us. We know this. It comes hard and it comes very fast. And when it does, you better hope that there is something strong at your core. Strong in you that is holding everything together. And John is telling us, this is love, okay? This is what you got to have. This is Jesus Christ at the center of your life. His love is the only thing that's strong enough. And his love is what binds and holds all things together. So Paul, Paul says this same thing to the church in Colossae, and I love this verse. He tells them how they should be living out their life, and he says this to this church. He says, since God chose you to be the people that he loves, so since God loves you, you're part of his family, right? You gotta clothe yourself. Here's what it means to clothe yourself like a follower of Jesus. And then he, he goes through all these different virtues. Tender heart and mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Make allowance for each other's faults. Forgive. We talked about this. Forgive others who offend you. Remember the Lord forgave you. You've got to forgive each other. And so Paul is like, listen, you've got to put all these things on when it comes to being a Christ follower. And this is important. And this is important. It'd be like getting dressed for a big event. Maybe even the daddy-daughter dance tomorrow night. You know, and you're getting dressed and somebody's handing you, this is going to look good. And this is what, it, you know, it's going to be great. But there's one thing that you've got to have that holds it all together. That brings everything together into focus for the life of a believer. And he says this. He says, above all. Clothe yourselves with love. Because that's, that's what's going to be that binds us together. That's what's going to be that holds everything in perfect harmony. So let's go back to that main question. Why is love so important? Why? Because love is forever. Love validates our faith. Love offers forgiveness. And forgiveness is a really big deal. And the love of God is what holds everything together. It's pretty important in life. So don't push it off. Don't wait to love more. Because, you know, one day we are going to stand before Jesus. And when I stand before Jesus, I want him to know that I love. You know, when other people look at me, they may say, he's kind of short. He's got a little bald, bald spot happening in the back of his head, right? 
He kind of looks like that evil dad on Outer Banks. They may even say that, which I've gotten for him. And some of y'all are thinking that right now. But above, er <laughs> but above everything, what I want people to know is how I loved him. I want people to look at me and say, Jimmy really understood what it means to love with the love of Christ. And I want that for you as well. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for loving us like you do. God, it's so easy sometimes to get distracted from what's most important. And the fact is that loving you, loving others, living that life of love, man, it's so important. So God, just forgive us from when we've been distracted and we've been task-oriented instead of love-driven. God, forgive us for valuing all these other things in life more than you, for loving these other things more than you and more than the people that you've placed in our life. So God, I just pray that we would wake up today and understand just why it's so important. God, that our love would be so great that it would cause other people to ask, why does he love like that? Why does she love like that? And it will prove that you are alive and that you are real because you live and work through us. So God, may we remember the love that was displayed on the cross and how that love forgives. How much you love us. And if you love us that much, how dare we hold, withhold any love to others. So God, use us, we pray. May we live in your love each and every day. It's in Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen.